millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dum De Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P and M here, Philippa Hall, the chicken with a hat on, and Mally Harris, our very own Natasha Archer, with her fruit juice empire. Welcome to Dum De Dum, Mally. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. <laughs> well, and we can't forget you lot, struggling to get the Velcro off from under your bow ties, our lovely Dum De Dummers. Now, this week's wonderful Morse Dum De Dum tune was from Stephen. And can I just tell you that the Morse code on the tune actually spells out the archers. So that's incredible. And on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from God Squad Mia, Katar Employment Law Bot, Rob, Stephen, Catherine Witherspoon, Brian, Catherine with a Y, Richard and his sister Helen, Purple Pumpkin, Marina and Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup and Dum De Book Dum Item, this time with author Alexandra Potter. Marvellous. Well, Mally, you are very, very welcome here. How are you today? I'm very well. I'm rested. Um, I had quite a leisurely morning, so I'm I'm rearing to go. <laughs> well, there's lots of lots of calls, and just in case we've got new listeners, Mally, of course, can't tell us what's going to happen in the script, even if she knows. Mally, are you aware of how many people discuss and dissect the archers? Yeah, I think at the beginning when I joined, I was kind of like, "Oh, everybody's very excited about everything," and then I was kind of looking into things, and then I actually thought, actually. It's probably safer to step back from social media and just do my job and have fun. But yeah, I, I truly understand and appreciate how passionate the fans are. 
Um, you know, there are members of my own family that are huge fans, so I totally understand. I get it. What did they think when you, they heard you'd got the part? My mum was absolutely thrilled. Um, and uh, it's a bit of a sad tone, but my mother-in-law passed away nearly 10 years ago and she was one of the biggest Archers fans. Um, so she never knew that I would end up in the Archers. Um, so, yeah, Wendy Gravel would have been thrilled had she been on this planet still. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big part of lots of people's lives. So I'm, I'm, I'm really honoured to be a part of it. What surprised you most about being on the Archers? Was there anything that was just completely unexpected? I think the most unexpected thing is that they gave me a job. <laughs> um, that was quite unexpected. Um, and then, like, how just how genuinely lovely everybody is. Um, yeah. Because it's like a long-term thing. You never know how long you're going to be doing it for. It's not like a, you know, a normal job, if you like, where they say, okay, the contract is going to be three weeks or six months yeah. or... You don't know. It's kind of goes on, hopefully, on and on, hopefully, um, cross fingers. But, um, yeah, the people are just magnificent. And because your lives go on, because it's, you know, how's your mum? How's your son doing? What's going on with your daughter? Like, how's that wedding? You know, it's li- it literally is like a family and the community around it is just fantastic. So, yeah, I, I wasn't expected to A, get the part or B, be a part of such a wonderful crew of people. So how did you get the part? Was it something you were specifically auditioned for? Well, I knew um, Alison Hindle from doing some radio stuff um, in, in Cardiff when I was younger. Um, and she reached out and I went up for a, ca- a casting of a vet initially. I don't oh, know the character name. Yes. Rex's previous love. Yes. Oh, OK. So I went up for that. And I was I was so excited and I went up to the mailbox in Birmingham and I was just really nervous and I didn't get the job. And I thought, oh, I'm really gutted because I would really genuinely love to be a part of the Archers. And I kind of, you know, as you do as an actor, you put it in your backpack and you move on. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think it was a few years later, they just called and said, do you want to play somebody called Natasha? Art? Well, Natasha at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, she's kind of a love interest for Tom. And I thought, yeah, that's great. Um, but when I started, I had no idea that she, you know, she would stay as long as she has so far. <laughs> well, the minute you heard she was marrying an archer, were you like, yes, that's it. Some security. Not at all. Oh. I don't think I don't think as an actor you ever feel secure. But um, um, I'm really blessed with Will. I, I, we get on as human beings as well, you know, so um, Will Troughton, who plays my husband. So um, it's a real honour. It's a real honour and, you know, we have a really good laugh together. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's one of the, one of the favourite parts of my life, to be honest. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it means so much to all of us listeners. So to know it means um, so much to you taking part, that's just, uh, that's just fantastic. Um, well, we've got lots of questions, calls and emails. But before we do that, now normally Quentin writes this very complex script that we then proceed to act out and I do appalling character impressions but Quentin is away so I thought how can I possibly make this even more embarrassing for myself and I thought I know <laughs> I know I can sing the roundup to the tune of a well-known Mary Poppins song accompanied by a ukulele I mean what what could go wrong with that now <laughs> here's a warning my singing is awful the words are excruciating but the ukulele playing is done brilliantly by Dumpty Dumber Jan Mitchell thank you Jan you're a star well there's no avoiding it any longer Prepare yourself, folks, I mean it, for this very different roundup of the week in Ambridge. 
Locksley starts the week, but Fred is in a state. There's no Wi-Fi, and then poor Ian heard the smash of plates. Freddy lures the Easter bun with tweets and telepathy. Who's revealed as Easter rabbit? What a shock, it's Kathy. Dumpty dum diddly dee. Dumpty dum diddly dee. Dumpty dum. Dumpty dum. Roy is tired of handling Vince for Liz's surprise party. Rory's gathering started well with plenty of Bacardi. Drunk and loud, then Alice helped, but Rory's words abused her. Ben held back and didn't tell of Rory's wealthy cougar. Ardil Shah stays in his room, but Kathy has his invoice. Oliver is lurking there, deciding he's got no choice. Trace is betting 50 pence on TV fame and fortune. But hotels shut, they're out of work. Sad faces in the ballroom. Dumpty dum diddly dee, dumpty dum diddly dee, dumpty dum. Dumpty Dum The party's doomed There's no staff left to parcel up cake boxes Fred is called to ex-workers To show Vince who the boss is Alice offers olive branch But Rory's back to London She admits Chris wants a dosh There'll be a valuation Vince gives Lizzie band engraved With kiss coordinates then he gives poor Freddy a CD mix of Dar Straits. Jolene, Kathy are not friends. Roy's legal claim looks bleak. Linda comforts upset Freddy. It's been quite a week. Well done. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it was a good idea, but I've been a bit nervous <laughs> about the implementation. <laughs> no, I'm very impressed. <laughs> You know, I've, I've caught up with everything. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, sorry, everyone. Everyone's going to need a lot of therapy. To, uh... <laughs> but let's move on quickly to our wonderful caller, Inneras. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have God Squad Mia with a question. For Mally. Hi, Philippa and Mally. This is God Squad Mia, caller in ring from Newcastle Land. Mally, I really love the way you play Natasha. You give her such character and, and there's depth to her. And I, I think you really communicate her personality over the radio. My question to you, though, is what the hell is she doing with a boring stick like Tom? <laughs> and, and the Bridge Farm family... Oh, my God, does she not want to get a knife out and slit everyone's throats? Because they are, I mean, they're just unbearable. There seems to be a backstory about Natasha which has been parked for a while. I wonder what your thoughts are on that and how is she going to cope when Ronnie and Reggie come along? Anyway, thanks for what you do and um, keep it up. Thanks, Philippa. Take care now. Bye. Wow, that was a lot of questions. I hope I remember everything. Um I think, uh, you know, I think Tom and Natasha, they genuinely love one another. And I think uh, that's the main thing. I think she sees his, you know, kind of annoying traits and sees that he over, you know, overly 
anxious about things and things that she thinks is, you know, it's not worth wasting your energy on. But I think they're a really good team. Um, I think they calm each other down and they, you know, they're a strong team. And I think actually, I know Natasha tries really hard to be liked. And I just think with time, she's trying to have like a better relationship with Pat. I think she genuinely loves Tony. She finds Tony quite funny and cute with his trains and everything. Um, so I, I don't think they're that boring. I, I quite like the family. I feel blessed to be a part of the family. Um, but who knows what the stories will, will, you know, how that'll pan out in the future. But I genuinely think that they, that Natasha and Tom, they just love each other and they adore one another. And I think to other people that might seem a little bit sickly sweet or a little bit annoying. But actually, I think their love is quite grounded and I think they balance each other out. Yes, he's annoying. Um, but I, you know, I think... People love to hate Natasha and that's great. <laughs> that's fine. Um, and I think she, you know, she's definitely a passive aggressive person, um, whereas I'm just generally aggressive. Um, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm actually a very nice person. Um, but I just think with Natasha, she hasn't, she's never been told no. She's mm. never been told that she can't do things her way. Um, so I think... As their marriage and relationship progresses, especially with the with the twins arriving, who knows what chaos is going to arrive? Because actually, you can't control your life. You know, she is a control freak. You can't mm -hmm. control your life with with twins, with one child. You know, yes. so um, I, it'll be great to see. You know, her weaknesses come come forward. I don't, you know, obviously they don't give us the scripts that far in advance. Um, but I'm sure there will be plenty of drama and humour and love and tiredness um, <laughs> and problems along the way because I think actually having the twins, this will be the first thing that she has no control over. Mm. You know, she has no experience in, in, that, um, in that field, if you like. So I'm sure there'll be lots, lots of dramas coming her way. Yes, that's really interesting, actually, because I think when she first arrived, some people sort of took against her because she was very cavalier with debt. And then when she tried to move the tea rooms, you know, so some people were concerned about that side of her. Personally, I love Natasha because she's she's strong and independent and I don't want her to be consumed by this sort of handmade tale story of turning into a pat. You know, she needs to reject Pat's pate. Please let her. Yeah, I think... You know, maybe sometimes in our society as well, if you are a strong woman, people automatically take against you or think, oh, she's mouthy or she's bossy or she's passive aggressive or she's just generally aggressive. Mm. But actually, I just think she's a passionate person. I think she's a determined person. She she wants to succeed. Um, I, you know, and as an actor, you always try and build a backstory of like, you know, you get what you're given of the script and then you kind of fill in the gaps and what's her relationship like with her dad, her mum, does she have siblings, where's she from? what's formed her, you know, and um, I think that's one of the energies that I carry with me with Natasha is that she always wanted to better herself, that she mm. always wanted to prove herself. Um, so, yeah, she's just insanely f fun to play. And when I have episodes off, I really miss her, you know, and I pick up the script and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh God, she's great. Like she speaks to people in a way that I... I wouldn't ever speak to like my mother-in-law when you know when I had her in my life, but I'd be very courteous to my own mother-in-law. But she's actually quite mouthy with Pat, <laughs> you know. She she gives as good as she gets, and I think that's one of the reasons why she's such fun to play. I think. 
Well, long may it continue. Thank you, God's God, me a great first call. And next we go to Kate, our employment law bot, who's calling about the HR headaches we've heard this week in Ambridge. Well, hello, Dumpty Dum. This is the employment law bot here uh, about the shocking developments this week. A uh, number of observations. One is the, uh, and I'm going to use the word shocking again, use of casual workers with no contracts, I presume cash in hand, for the party. Was there even a mention of volunteers? I do hope that they got some money to recompense them for their services. So there's that aspect. Number two, the thorny issue of the closure and announcement. Why did Roy go off to an employment lawyer? He could have rung ACAS or a number of other places. And then he said he was going to go back. He also said that they were looking at his case. No, they wouldn't. They would literally say, have you got two years service? What announcement was made? What have they offered you? Go back and find out what they're offering you. So really simple. No need for the histrionics at all. Uh, A tax-free three-month sum, if he's got you know, not much service. It's all good. So I'm available at very good rates should they want to talk about that further, but they really don't need to do it that way. Okay. Happy days. Bye-bye. <laughs> that, that is wonderful. I mean, I had questions about some of the way things were dealt with this week, but that takes it to a whole nother level. Lots of characters are going to be affected as well. I never thought that Grey Gables was was going to close for 12 months. That's huge. I, I do wonder if Natasha's going to see that as an opportunity and try and uh, open up an Airbnb. Well, listen, who knows? You know, I'm sure after things settle, after having the twins, she might have a little slot of time to take over another business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't hear that much about her fruit juice empire, just that, you know, it's very busy and stressful and she's yeah. moved it now. Yeah, I think she, you know, she puts her all into everything that she does. And I think it'll be interesting in the future where she doesn't have... 100% of her time to commit to the business or to Tom, you know, it's going to be quite fractious, I think. And she might have to make some business business decisions that she might not have done had she not had the children. Um, so, you know, we all think that we can balance absolutely everything and be magnificent at everything that we do. Well, I think Natasha does. I don't. But um, yeah, there's bound to be cracks, I think. Um, but who's to say that she might, you know, create a nice little Airbnb as a little earner on the side. (laughs) We'll have to see. I mean, this Ardil Shah sounded very strange this week, going around introducing himself to everyone and causing lots of trouble. But uh, yes, if anyone's got any employment law issues, Kate is definitely the the person. Thank you, Kate. That was great. Um, And now we go on to a call from Rob, who has a question for Mally. Good evening, Philippa and Mally Harris. Wonderful to be able to say hi there. This week, there was the big reveal about the future of Grey Gables. My guess is that there will be emails, calls in and Facebook comments about the sudden closure and redundancies, possibly with reference to the events at P&O, which would never get mentioned in Ambridge. My question for Mally is, do you pay attention to what is said about your storylines on social media? Among the listeners are experts in all manner of fields, as well as people who have lived through some of the events portrayed gestational diabetes for instance how do you feel when they are quite vociferous about mistakes the script writers may have made does any of it ever get fed back to the script writers thanks for that bye now yeah that's an interesting point um personally i'm not on any form of social media 
to protect my mental health, really, because mm. um, it can get a bit uh, a bit much to be a part of um, something that if you just want to have, you know, time out to have con- your phone constantly pinging. Um, you know, so, yeah, I'm not on social media, but um, definitely I think it's, it's a really important forum, I think. Um, especially for scriptwriters, if if things are um, are put forward that as listeners and fans you might think, oh, you know, I've been through that, I've lived through that, and I didn't find it like that. It's really important, I think, to get your voices heard, and I think definitely the team are you know are on on all forms of social media and they do read stuff and they do uh, bring things back. Um, but it's an interesting point. I think some actors um, really engage with social media and find it a way of getting their own voices heard and, and, you know, talking straight to the fans. But personally, I, I'm i not on... So I used to be. I did used to be on social media. I did a programme called Hinterland um, where I played a, um, a detective, a, a very, very dour DI. <laughs> um, so I was on um, uh, Twitter and Instagram and everything, but then I, yeah, I took myself away from it and, um, and tried to hush the noise, I think. Mm. <laughs> Well, you've had a huge acting career so far. You know, you've been in so many amazing uh, productions and um, that, yeah, it must be quite a thing to see what people are saying. Even though you've done a brilliant job, there are some strange people out there. But that's fine. You know, everybody deserves to get their voices heard. And I actually enjoy playing somebody that that not everybody likes, you know, that people have a problem with or because, um, you know, because drama is good having an opinion about somebody that you absolutely detest or you can't bear is brilliant. You know, I'd much rather play somebody that um, kind of evoked those kind of feelings of like, I love her, I hate her, I can't believe she did that, rather than, oh, I'm so bored with her. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't I don't think Natasha's boring. I ser- I'm certainly not bored playing her. Um, I find her quite gung-ho and reactionary and impulsive Um and passionate um so yeah it's uh, i think social media is great but personally i don't um i don't expose myself to that anymore no i don't blame you well thank you rob that was a great question i think rob's got another question later on but now we go to stephen who's calling about slurry hi philippa and molly amidst all the chaos around the sale of gray gables one thing has been bothering me muck Susan overheard Ruth and Stella discussing the plan to transport surplus slurry from Brookfield for use at home farm. She immediately conjured up nightmarish visions of truckloads of foul-smelling liquids driving past the village green at all hours of day and night. Then we had Cathy and Jolene talking about it at Elizabeth's party, with Jolene convinced that the atmosphere of the beer garden at the Bull would be ruined by spillages of effluence detracting from the usual aroma of peacock poo. So why am I so bothered about this? It's because both Brookfield and Home Farm are on the other side of the Am from the village green, the shop and the bull. It would be madness to drive through the village to get from one to the other, not least because it would involve crossing the river twice, once over a narrow humpback bridge. There's a perfectly good route that goes nowhere near the village, but instead takes a slurry past Sawyers, and I'm sure that's where they'd go. The only people I think who will have a legitimate worry about the delivery of slurry to Home Farm will be the inhabitants of Home Farm House, the mysterious gills. And I think that at the moment they will have other things on their mind because I think they're the new owners of 60% of Grey Gables. You heard it here first. 
Oh, Stephen, that's a really good idea. I like that. Yes, I'm intrigued to know who the actual owners of this 60% of Grey Gables are and where the slurry may go. I love the forensic detail that Stephen goes into. Oh, I think, Stephen, you should offer up, you know, like a, a sat-nav of the village so that people can just know exactly where they want to go. Um, so, you know, I'd be I'd be up for that. I know in the... Um, in the corridors of the BBC, there is a map of the village. There is a map of where everybody lives and things. So it's, yeah, it, it's actually really important to keep consistent in those in those things because even though it's not a, you know, in the real world, you get in your car and you can drive there, it's all in our heads and we remember things. We remember where that narrow bridge is and we remember where that field is. So, um, yeah, I think you, you can make a buck there by having some sort of an app Telling all the characters how to get to the easiest place. Do you know what I mean? And the script writers might make use of it as well. I mean, it's like when we discovered that Rex had moved to a narrow boat. We were all quite alarmed by this sudden <laughs> uh, river system, the wide enough and appropriate enough to take a narrow boat. I don't know. Is there any discussions on the, the WhatsApp group of the cast about that? Well, um, I'm not actually a part of the massive WhatsApp group of the cast. I was oh. during the... Um, the lockdown I was, and then um, and then when I tried to quieten everything down, all the social media kind of like I yeah I, I took myself out of the um, the cast WhatsApp group, but um, I'm I WhatsApp characters in it you know yeah personally I'm I'm yeah. more of a personal touch rather than a group thing, um, but I think details like that are really important and um, yeah I think they could benefit from your help Stephen I think. Fantastic. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, and now we go to Catherine, who has found the funny side this week. I've, uh, I've this, uh, my contribution is entitled rather grandly, Where's my dolphin? Because Ian getting all Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen made me laugh so much. Honestly, it's a little country house uh, hotel, hardly the blooming Savoy Grill. Anyway, talking of the Savoy, I loved the party, loved, loved, loved it. How doped is that? And um, thingy talking about Rory, talking about London as if he was in some sort of episode of a uh, thing about the Profumo affair with women in champagne glasses and models uh, from the days when models were seen as rather loose and a bit of dubious morals. Very funny. Um, but I don't understand why Vince is investing in Freddie, if his mum owns a freaking stately home. I mean, it's really strange. Or is this just part of the plot that Vince is going to be like, uh, kind of like an inspector calls and it's all going to go south and he's going to have tentacles on everyone and take him down. So he'll have lent money to um, Thingy and David, won't he? Which was the most bizarre thing. Just go to the bank or, or don't borrow it. Um, and also he'll have a, a thing on Elizabeth emotionally, uh, all we need is, oh, my God, wouldn't it be brilliant if Russ found him out and Russ had to challenge him and because he's always fancied Elizabeth and um, uh, and thingy daughter won't know which way to go. But there is something funny about Vince, isn't there? I do love the actor, though. His accent is just perfect. And the way he says Boston and all his other little Midlands thing. It's about time we had a proper um, actor. Also, somebody only started listening to it really when the um, domestic violence story was going on. I have no idea who Kathy is, why they've pretended she doesn't exist, why everyone's so delighted, why they decided to bring her back in a Easter bunny costume. Just why? Um, also, um, Alice, stop being so kind to Rory. He's an utter arse and he doesn't deserve your sympathy. Uh, you know, don't project onto me all that sort of therapy chat she gave him. 
he's got some sort of sugar daddy. He probably was terrified in London, really lonely, and so he's bigging it up to everyone else. Not the first time this has happened to students coming back to their hometown after some time away. Um, thanks very much then. Bye. <laughs> Catherine, your calls are always wonderful. And this one, yeah, I thought Ian sounded like some sort of member of the SAS, you know, uh, the lamb stays on whether it kills me or not. <laughs> I don't care how much pressure, we do not let standards drop. <laughs> this poor chap, so stressed. It sounded like a very stressful kitchen, that, didn't it? Yeah, it really <laughs> did. I, I did wonder what Natasha would make. I, I mean, they had 150 people to this surprise party. I didn't know that Vince and Elizabeth knew that many people, but presumably Natasha would have been invited. Yeah, I I listened to that episode and I was thinking, oh, I didn't get an invite. Like it was a personal (laughs) thing. Um, But yeah, I think it it feels to me like if there's a celebration, everybody's there. You know, even if you only hear two or three of the actors, we kind of presume that everybody's present because everybody wants to know each other's business and you know, kind of be a part of the gossip and see who's done what during that time. And so, um, yeah, I, as a listener, I felt like, oh, well, I didn't get a inv- personal invitation, but I um, hope they have a nice time. But yeah, I, I think everybody's there. Do you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah. It's an, yeah, I agree. That kitchen sounded really stressful. <laughs> well, I'm with Kathy. It being Kathy, I mean, uh, Catherine hasn't didn't know who Kathy was. A very brief summary, and everyone will shout at me because this is oversimplifying it. But Kathy used to run the bull with Sid. They were married. Then Sid had this very embarrassing affair with Jolene at the gym. So that was it for Kathy. She had to to leave. She set up on her own. Got together with Kenton. Uh, of course, in that time, Sid sadly died. And then after she split up with Kenton, Jolene went out with Kenton and they were married. So they those two do have history. There's a lot more to Kathy, but that's um, a very brief summary of it of it all. But uh, yeah, Catherine, that that's great. I just um, I do worry about Vince as well, and he seems to be playing Freddie. This, I you know, you felt like he was going to give him money for this DJ booth. And then you just got this CD mix of 80s songs. I, I think Natasha would have been a bit more supportive. Yeah, I think so. A bit more direct and a bit more aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's what Freddie needs, actually. Yeah, I um, I love listening to Freddie. I think he's got the actor's got a lovely voice. Just mm. um, really animated and just wonderful. So, yeah, he it draws me in whenever I listen to Freddie. I feel like, oh, yeah. I can kind of see who he is. And it's interesting because, um, you know, being a part of the cast, you obviously know what the actors look like. You know them in real life. Um, And it's funny, before I was a part of it, I'd listen to it and kind of imagine what people looked like because they're in your head and you imagine them. And then when you see them in real life, sometimes it totally matches and other times you go, wow, I didn't expect them to look like that. Yeah. Yeah. so that's, yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm meandering a little bit. But um, sometimes, like, when we have our pictures taken, I think, like, do the fans really want to see what we look like? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because you've already formed your 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 version of Freddie or Tom or whoever in your imagination. So when you see them, pictures of them in, in real life, maybe it's slightly disappointing. Maybe of me anyway, not of them. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, because... Um, personally, I like to see photos, but there are a lot of people that don't, that, as you say, form their own idea of what someone looks like and, and they don't want that 
changing but yeah um, you're you're quite different actually from your the photo that the BBC provide of, of you in character I think you were dressed as Natasha then yeah and that's um I had long dark hair then so that was pre-covid pre-grey roots showing um <laughs> so I've gone with a grey so I think you could class me now as a grey icy blonde question mark <laughs> so yeah I am um, I, I've been through various colours, but yeah, I do look very different to what my the picture on on the website. But um, yeah, I've been through lots of lots of different colours. Well, <laughs> as they said, you're that's you as Natasha. So I suppose that that's that. But no, your hair looks great. I love it. It's fabulous. It's kind of, yeah, gray, gray blonde. <laughs> that's why I wear these big headphones now, so they cover up all the all the grey on the top, which is quite helpful. Yeah, I, I've been grey since I was about twenty one, and um, having to dye it, so it'll great for ten days, and then you just see my roots. Oh, and um, so when I was filming, you know, three weeks, and the, the makeup department would be like, you know, come on, get your roots done, get your roots done. So yeah, I've I've given up the ghost and I've gone uh, grey blonde. Yeah, no, good for you. It looks great. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Catherine. That was. That was a wonderful call as always. And if you're wondering how you should call in uh, for next week, just go to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptytum. Don't forget the T in the middle. Uh, you can record your calls there. We need them in by 12 noon on Saturday. Please keep them to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, back to the calls. We have Witherspoon, who is reflecting on the bad attitudes this week. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Philip and Natasha and all Dumpty Dummers around the world It's Woodspoon and Angus Haggis here Well, quite an eventful week in Ambridge And not particularly good ones for Rory, Oliver and the entire staff of Grey Gables First, Rory I was not at all surprised at how it all went down at his party not very mature to call Alice Alky Alice to refer to members of AA as winos and to insult his best friend. Last week, I and another caller in her made a link between his late mother, Siobhan, and Julianne. During his drunken state, Rory himself made a reference to Siobhan when he said, my mother didn't have a choice when she abandoned me. He also accused Alice of hurting her baby when she was drinking while pregnant, and was critical of Adam and Ian for putting Xander at risk. Note, that's his perception, not mine, when taking him to the family AA event. Putting all these comments together, we can look back at Rory going off to university and the inappropriate comments Alice made toward him as stirring up unresolved grief and anxiety about the loss of his mother. All signs point toward eventually Alice herself helping Rory work through these issues in typical Archer's fashion. Now, regarding Grey Gables, it's interesting that the Archers is now exploring the economic fallout of the pandemic on Ambridge, even if there was no health impact on the community. I have sympathy for both Oliver and for the employees of the hotel. Hopefully, they'll be getting a generous severance as the deal promised. Regarding Oliver, I think his grief over losing the hotel is sincere, though he is retaining 40% of it and was able to sell the remainder. Many business owners just have had to close their doors without any compensation. And sadly, I talk from current family experience about this. So this storyline has affected me a bit more than usual. Talk to you soon. 
Oh, thank you, Witherspoon. Yes, Witherspoon is our resident New York psychiatrist, so he knows what he's talking about. But, uh, yeah, Alice was nice. I'm not normally a fan of Alice, I have to admit, but she was supportive, not judgmental, um, and Rory wasn't nice, didn't even give her a hug, probably too soon for him. Um, but the the issues, as Witherspoon says, that there's so many of them. I haven't seen Natasha really interact with with Rory and and Alice yet she's probably keeping well away no no I I am um, I don't think I've had many scenes with them at all um you know and the whole Alice um alcoholism story was I thought was amazing and and r- extremely well played and um you know these things affect all of us all of our families all of our friends we all know somebody who struggles with addiction um or grief or you know the kind of Many, many circles of grief, you know. Um, so I, I, I'm really proud um, when we get to grips with stories that are big and that, that do affect so many people. Um, and yeah, I think that brother and sister relationship is is fantastic, you know, kind of how your upbringing can really affect and shape who you are and then big things happening and that has a knock-on effect to how you are as a human being and the, and the, the struggles and problems that you have to deal with. So... Um, yeah, I listened to that scene and I, yeah, I thought Alice was lovely, mm. that she was genuinely not judgmental and just wanted him, wanted him to, to kind of not spiral as, as she's, you know, definitely spiraled in the past. So, yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic. So, I, I'm, yeah, I'd be very keen to do scenes with them because I think they're brilliant. Yes, they've they've had a, a lot to deal with. And it's been interesting to see how Alice's character has sort of evolved and the, the quality of acting does really come through but I love this idea of Roy in his dressing gown being interrupted from watching Antiques Roadshow and (laughs) being up at seven o'clock at night thinking that was far too late (laughs) yeah exactly it sounded like a really raucous party didn't it it did and I know Alice said oh um, Brian and Jennifer are not going to find out but surely they are you don't keep that secret I (laughs) can't imagine it reminded me of an advert in like the 1980s or something when there was like a party and somebody scratched the veneer on a table (sighs) do you remember that advert (laughs) there's going to be a piece of furniture somebody with a massive scratch where they couldn't find the number of the French polishers and the yellow pages (laughs) (laughs) yeah <laughs> well, hopefully the couple have let left Brian and Jennifer's bedroom, so that's not something. Uh, uh, yeah, hopefully they're still not in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, in fact, with the spoon, also contacted me to say I looked up the photo of Natasha on the character website, and I must say that Mally is a dead ringer for the picture I had of Natasha in my mind's eye. Excellent casting. For what it's worth, I'm a fan of Natasha. As a psychiatrist, I was very impressed when she talked about growing up with a father with bipolar disorder. It felt true to life. Yeah, it's um, it's beautiful to be able to reveal things. Um, you know, when you start playing a character, you don't know absolutely everything about that character. Um, you're given certain facts and then you fill in the gaps and... As time goes on, you you then get scripts that reveal a bit more about um, that person's family and and their problems and how they survived and how they they changed. So yeah, it I always I'm always really pleased when I get a chance to show a side of Natasha to explain maybe why she is so aggressive and why she she's so driven um, because of, obviously we we are all how we are because of what we've been through. Yeah. And, you know, how we were brought up by our parents, 
what our relationships with them you know was like and our sisters and brothers what did we get on with them you know did we want mm. to leave home could we wait to leave um so yeah it's a privilege to have moments like that because you know again the same with addiction we we all know people who suffer with mental health and i think you know raising mental health awareness is a fantastic it's a really really important thing to do and to talk openly about um mm. natasha's father's bipolar is 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 fantastic because then it might give another chance to somebody else to say oh actually yeah i've been through that or i feel like that or you know to just to talk openly about it and there's there's a lot less taboo then i think when people mm. can hear people opening up and think actually do you know what i am going to say something to my friend next time i see them because I'm struggling a little bit, you know. How long in advance do you get the script before you're then um, recording it? Do you get enough time to, if you need to do some research, if there's something new that you uh, weren't aware of before? Yeah, we we get them maybe about three weeks-ish before we record them. So, yeah, there's plenty of time. Mm. Um, I know with Natasha's... Uh, gestational diabetes I was straight away googling everything (laughs) okay what does it mean how serious is what do you need to do um so you definitely have time to research and you know one of the blessings of the archers is those stories they don't come and go very quickly you know it's not like for one episode like when you do a soap opera sometimes um I I do um publicum which is a Welsh language soap opera in Cardiff and those storylines sometimes are so fast you're one thing one week and the next thing the next week and then it changes and changes and changes whereas with the archers because it's more the pace is maybe slower and um more kind of longer running you have real time to develop um issues with with health or um, mental health or relationships it's kind of it's more of a real life pace I think um so yeah you get plenty of time to research and um and you you do kind of feel like you're living with those issues for the length of those episodes and even you know you you carry that with you as an actor then going forward remembering back to issues of childhood or um you know you know having to I, I realized this morning I was doing the maths Natasha's 40 um so to have you know to have kids at 40 to have twins at 40 is something isn't it like I had my kids when I was 28 and 32 I think and I think she's she's put it put it off because she just wants to succeed and um yeah I think it'll be very interesting to see physically how she um how she manages you know with a set of twins starting at 40 I started at 28 and that was tiring enough (laughs) yeah you're you're right that I hadn't even thought about it because because I'm now 50 so whenever I hear someone say 40 I just think that's uh, that's just so young but you're right I'm not saying it's mega old like I've got a friend in real life who's tried for a very very long time to have children and she's my age so she's 46 you know and I'm so proud and and thrilled that that she's having a baby and she's been through so much to get there but um starting at 46 I think takes a lot of energy um, oh so. yes, yes. And it's not just when they're tiny little ones; it's uh, as they grow up and the challenges that you face then. But yeah, exactly. You know, running around, holding hands. Don't run across the road. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, but I hadn't really clocked um, Natasha's age until this morning. Probably just thinking, oh, you know, because I always thought that she was younger. You know, I'm forty six in real life, and. I was thinking, oh, I wonder how old. And I thought, actually, you know, I don't know what the story, how the stories are going to pan out, but I'm sure there's 
extreme tiredness on the way. Definitely. Yeah, there has to be. There has to be. And some challenges with Pat and Tom. Oh, definitely. And, yes. And the Bridge Fresh app. Yeah, that, that dynamic of like, you know, when people say, well, when I was pregnant, it was like this or... You know, I found, you know, how I got my babies to sleep was like this. So you either kind of take those on board and use them or, you know, maybe Natasha will just get, re, you know, rubbed up the wrong way totally. And, um, you know, find find everybody extremely offensive, even though they're trying to help. <laughs> well, I wouldn't blame her. But uh, yeah, with the spoon, thank you very much. And now we go on to Brian, who is concerned about Oliver's future. Hello, it's Brian. I hope you're well. Too much to go on. Everything that happened this week, but uh, a couple of things I did like to talk about. Firstly, I like the way they brought Kathy back. I thought well, that's quite quite fun and quite knowing the way they uh, introduced her as not speaking as a non-verbal rabbit for so long. A bit mean of them to then make her redundant the same week, but oh well. Yeah, I was wondering about the position Oliver's left himself in because I think he said he sold sixty percent of the the Grey Gables to this new firm or, or person, whoever it is, because I understand Ardor's only a, a manager. But that leaves in a very, very bad place, bound to have disagreements about how things are going to get run. And he'll have no say in when it comes to it. He can be overruled at every turn. And then uh, be, he has to have a stake, but if it doesn't go well, he'll still have no way of getting out of it. it I mean, the only person you could probably sell it to would be the people that are running it. He's in a very bad bad position with that. If it was 50-50, he could sort of understand it. But no, he's, I think he's heading for trouble there. I would have said he should have just sold the whole place if he didn't want to run it anymore. Just wash his hand of it and sell it all. Can't see why he just, just didn't do that. But now he's got, he's still got a stake in it, but no say. No, that's um, going to be trouble for him. However it ends up, doesn't sound like it's going to be us reopening as a conventional hotel again. So that will be interesting. But uh, we shall see. Well, nice to talk to you and uh, have fun this week. Thank you, Brian. A great call. Yes, Oliver, these renovations are going to cost some money. So where's that coming from? And clearly, well, it must have been a private sale. It didn't go on the market or else everybody would have known about it. At least Kathy can make money appearing as an Easter bunny throughout the year, although I suppose there's not much call for that apart from from April. I wonder if Natasha and Tom are going to get a lot of people trying to get jobs at Bridge Farm. Yeah, could yeah, they might need more, you know. They're gonna have less time, I think, to concentrate on their business, even though Natasha that would be an absolute nightmare. She's gonna to have to let go of the reins a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. And you know, the point about the effects of COVID on the business and stuff, you know, it ha- it has has a ma- it has had a massive effect on people's lives, and you know, just the whole thing of the hospitality business and just really struggling to find their feet again. And I I, I agree with the last caller that you know, sixty percent of a business to give away to sell is is you know you are asking for trouble really. Why didn't he do fifty fifty or the whole thing? But then. Obviously, that's going to make interesting drama, isn't it? If he doesn't have a say, he can't get, you know, his way through. Um, So, yeah, very interesting. I've no idea what's happening in the future, by the way. (laughs) We can't beg you to tell us. No, that's great. I don't know, honestly. (laughs) I would tell you everything. I just simply don't know. (laughs) 
Oh, that's great. Brian, thank you so much for your call. And now we go back to Rob, who has a very important question for Mally. Enough of all this archers-related nonsense. I'm sure Philip is on the verge of uh, dropping off at the moment, so let's do something to make sure she's still listener. Forget Natasha Archer. What are Mally Harris's favourite biscuits? <laughs> that's a good question. My favourite biscuit is a chocolate hobnob. Ooh. So you can dunk it, but you have to be really precise about when you remove it from the tea so it doesn't either plop into the tea or go on your T-shirt or the carpet. Um, so definitely a hob chocolate hobnob is my absolute favourite. Is there a number of seconds that you time it in the hot drink? I think it's probably three Oh, right. Okay. I like Like this. one hobnob, two hobnobs. <laughs> if it's like too slow, you're done. That's it. And and it's actually destroyed the biscuit and then the tea because it's all floating around in the tea. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. an art. You have to get it's a sieve an out form. and start again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Um, biscuits, eating food, chocolate are very uh, yeah important subjects for me. So whenever an item of food is mentioned in the arches, um, listeners can then rely on me to forensically analyse all the, the details about it. But uh, yes, yeah, there you go, Rob. That is Mally's favourite biscuit. Excellent. And now we go to Catherine with a Y, who is reflecting on subjects covered in the Archers. Hi, Philippa. Hi, Natasha and all the team. It's Catherine with a Y here. It's been a few weeks since I called for the first time. I hope you've all had a lovely Easter and a sunny week. Now, a few weeks ago on the podcast, it was mentioned that we we don't hear about real-life events on the Archers. These things don't affect the Archers' characters. So I was wondering, did anyone else notice that this has recently changed? We had Natasha very briefly mention COVID a couple of weeks ago, and then this week... We've had Kathy raising money for Ukrainian refugees and Tracy commenting, it's been a terrible couple of years for people. So I was wondering, did anyone else notice? And why do you think this has changed in the writing? Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Catherine, with a Y. Yeah, that's true, because I have gone on about how COVID seems to have just passed by Ambridge, like it's got its own breathing system and they've just managed to avoid it completely, which at times infuriated me and at times actually it was quite a relief for it not to be included. But uh, Catherine's right that, that we have heard some references recently. Do you sometimes ask the scriptwriters whether they can include something to make it a bit more relevant? Yeah, you have absolute freedom to <clears throat> kind of voice your opinion and ask if things can be included or, or why things aren't included. Um, I think just generally, not just across the arches, but across definitely you know different soaps some chose to include it and some chose not to include it at all covid i'm talking about now but um mm. i think i have had scenes with somebody who was coughing up the stairs i just had a flashback to a scene um who owned the flat above the stairs that tom and natasha lived in hazel yes with her breathing pump. hazel i know the actress's name yeah that's it. So she had COVID up the stairs. Yeah, yes. I remember that scene. And I yeah, I heard the, the reference to you raising money for the Ukraine this week as well. I think maybe a reason why um, they're popping in a bit more is that, you know, they, they are massive events, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. if there was no mention of, of those massive things, um, 
I think it's a shame not to mention them. Because I heard that Ukraine reference and I thought, yeah, yeah. Because it makes you feel that it's present, that it's now, and that we're all in the same world, that it's, you know, that it's not this imaginary place. We're all just living in the same world. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for including um, references. But it, it's to do with the timing, I think, as well. Because we yeah. do, for instance, um, I'm recording um, for The Archers on Wednesday, but that won't be out for quite some time. So you can't really record things like, you know, today this happened in the news, let's put it in, because there's a delay from when we record it to when it comes out. Um, so, for instance, that that reference about the Ukraine probably was recorded when the war started. Oh, so um, so that it can't be, you know, on today in the news, this happened, let's stick it in, because it won't be transmitted for, you know, three weeks, a month. Um, so sometimes that is a little bit tricky because you can't be as immediate as you might want to be because of, of the, the gap between when we record it and when it is well, the TX date, you know, the transmission date is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I quite like hearing things that are relevant when I listen to it. I, I kind of, it makes me feel, um, it makes me feel that other people are on the same journey. Do you, know what I, do you know, understand what I mean by that? I, I do. And the fact that they're willing to hear you out, you know, if there's something that you would like to be included or if you've got a question, it's good that it, it's quite an open relationship with the script writers. Yeah, they're brilliant. They're fantastic. Um, you know, and the way that it's all, um, the way that it goes, like pre-COVID, we would all be in the rehearsal room um, and we'd have a read-through so you'd hear the whole episode and then you'd go in, you know, in order of character, really, and record the whole thing. But because of COVID now, we're not we haven't had that. Um, this, not everybody in the same room, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so it's 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 different, I think, after COVID. But I think we're getting back back to what it felt more like, you know, before that feeling of um now everybody is there for the read through. We're back doing that, but it's in a more of an open space. It's not like before the green room was a an enclosed room with no windows. Whereas now we have the read through um, somewhere that's light and airy, and it's kind of more COVID secure. And they had the team have been fantastic about securing um, our space. You know, once we get into the to the building, there's temperature checks and there's. So, uh, you know, distancing, they're, they're really clear about mask wearing and stuff like this. So even though, you know, you don't have to do all of those things, they are still being very careful because, um, you know, we, we all want to continue when we, we all want to make more and more episodes and, and um, because we love doing it, basically. Have they said to you about the extra, the Friday night episode yet? Because this is what we're all desperate to hear about. I know that they're very, very keen to get that up and running. So um, I've been told that as soon as they get a date for that, they will release it on all the social forums because, okay. you know, we um, we are we are, we just love doing it, and we know that we have such strong, passionate fans, and um, and we're all keen to get it back to what it was. Do you know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. Yeah, um, it would be wonderful. Um, but Mally, I have a question for you. We asked this uh, to of Stephen Fry when he came on. So prepare yourself. This is a question for Natasha, not Mally. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a snog, marry, avoid question, and we're dealing with the characters, not the actors. So okay. Your options are Jazza, Justin, and Brian. 
who would you snog marry? Well, who would Natasha snog Jazza marry? Jazza and writing these down. Jazza, Jazza. And Brian. Brian. Um, I think I would definitely snog Jazza. <laughs> um, I think uh, I can't I can't resist his accent. I think Natasha has a thing for Celtic sounds. Um, marry Brian. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and what was the other one? Snog, marry, and an, an avoid. So avoid. avoiding well, Justin. Got Justin. Yeah. I'm not, you know, oh. nothing personal. Nothing personal. <laughs> no, that's... that's weird. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it it is a fantastic um thing to be able to do because you get to know people as individuals. You get to know them as actors. And if they're not in episodes that you're in, then you start listening and you really, really get drawn in. So, um, yeah, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to those choices other than um, than throwing a dice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's great. Well, Catherine with the Y, thank you for your call. And now we go back to Stephen, who is looking at the succession story in Ambridge. Hi, Philippa and Marley. This call isn't about this week's activities in Ambridge but a more general observation stroke question. What is happening about the succession at all three of the main family farms? It's looking more and more likely that Pip is going to take over at Brookfield, although Bess Casey would be a much better heir to the Brookfield Arger, if not the dairy herd. Home farm is in complete chaos, with the best farmer in the next generation living thousands of miles away in Hungary, Adam, who could do the job, exiled to odd jobs at Bridge Farm, and none of Brian's own offspring looking remotely serious as farmers. Plus, of course, the, sort of the shadow of Alice's divorce hanging over the whole partnership there. And then Bridge Farm. That's got both Tom and Helen actively involved in the business. But as far as I'm aware, there are no formal arrangements for succession or inheritance at all, which could be extremely messy if Tony were suddenly to drop dead. So, how's that one going to work out? And what will be Natasha's role? Might she find herself playing Lady Macbeth in an attempt to ensure that Tom gets the farm? Or will she simply retreat to her orchard in Sawyer's and wait until the dust settles? I'd welcome your views. Mally, what do you think about that? Well, you know, she is having twins. She's going to pop them out. She's starting an empire, kids. No, I don't know. I mean, very interesting. Um, I know um, in the farming community, you know... Um, inheritance and stuff like that is is it's really unless it's worked out unless it's in black and white like you're going to get this you're going to get this you're going to share that with your sister if it's left to chance it can tear families apart can't it um so yeah i think natasha would probably want it written down black and white exactly what um what the plans were so that you know when the inevitable happens oh my gosh that sounds dreadful um that it's clear and i think yeah, who knows? I mean, it would probably be 50-50, wouldn't it? Between Helen and Tom. But then the trouble is, if it's 50-50, who makes the final decision? Are, you know, are you are things always mm -hmm. going to not move forward because you can't agree? It's a really difficult one. I mean, Tom and Helen seem to work together because they do their own separate things. Yet yeah. if they're sort of managing it and running it together, there has to be unity. And I'm not sure how... Natasha's relationship with Helen really works at this point. Yeah, 
it will be a, a, a time of change and and um, and conflict, definitely. I think. Um, I think Natasha and Helen get on as people. I love Louisa in real life, the actress who plays Helen. We we actually um, she's one of my favourite people on the planet. Um, so I um, yeah I want more and more scenes with Helen. I haven't had scenes with Helen for a long time, but um, yeah, it's an interesting. I'm sure it will be fraught with difficulty and um, and drama. Um, but I just think clarity of wills is a good idea. Mm. Well, let's hope there's drama because that's that's what we're we're here for, I'm afraid. But uh, now we go to our last call, which is from Richard and his sister, Helen. Now, Richard had his birthday on Friday. Happy birthday, Richard. But has he been suffering from the birthday blues? Let's hear from Richard and his sister, Helen. So my big sister, Helen, called in with this birthday message. Oh, I'm failing to say happy birthday. But I couldn't help noticing the last time we spoke, you sounded extremely worried. And I wondered whether it was more to do with the takeover of Great Gables by possibly an oligarch or Roy's tax returns and all the benefits in kind he's receiving. Because you don't usually look so worried. So I knew it'd be something pretty major. And the point is that Rory is definitely receiving gifts in kind of substantial value. And by giving them to different family members raises the question what happened if he died because the material value could possibly fall within the seven-year rule of inheritance inheritance tax so is he declaring his benefits in kind from his sugar mummy at all and even if he is is the net asset value of his gifts to various family members being properly recorded and I think I think Alice ought to think about that. But more importantly, who bought Great Gables? The guy who showed up is not the owner, and the ultimate beneficial owner is clearly not known, and for all we know, it is some oligarch. Thank you, Richard. I feel much reassured, and knowing that both these problems are going to be in the competent hands of Usha and Harrison will make both you and me sleep much more easily in our beds. <laughs> Richard, I'm really worried about this spoiling your birthday. Don't, well, I know we take it very seriously, but don't let it spoil your birthday. At least big sister Helen was on hand to, to leave a message. Richard then did email me to say he's also worried about Natasha's attitude to debt, which is out <laughs> of kilter with what is needed to run a business. It's one thing to borrow to grow a profitable business without dilution, quite another to borrow for consumption. I know, and she does consume. Do you know what I mean? She does, but I love it. It's so different in in Ambridge. Yeah, I think she has the mind. Natasha has that mindset of, well, if I'm earning and everything's fine, I'll pay her back at some point. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think she she is trying to um, to rein in her spending spree energy, inner energy that's always kind of ticking over. What can I get? What can I buy? Um, but I think I think Tom is a good influence on her in that respect, that he's a bit tight. <laughs> it doesn't seem to <laughs> yeah, splash out as much <laughs> as she would as she would like. But yeah, it is, you know, I can totally understand what Richard was concerned about there, about inheritance tax and making sure that, you know, if you're getting gifts that it's it's all written down. It all comes yeah. back to writing it all down, putting it down in paper. Do you know what I mean? Pen and paper. 
so that you don't get anybody into trouble or yourself into trouble if you know things change. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. I, I wonder what's going on there. Who is giving all that money to Rory? It's Julianne, we've been told. She is a lonely businesswoman in her mid-40s who is um, bored and needing some company, which Rory provides. But he has told Ben that he provides nothing else, shall we say. Okay, nothing. Dodge, dodge. uh, Yes, nothing of the night <laughs> nothing of the night that's a great name for a book isn't it <laughs> nothing of the night by natasha archer <laughs> do you know what i list I, I googled it i thought natasha archer then obviously it's a name that we know yeah. but actually natasha archer is the name of the real life um stylist of the duchess of cambridge well i'm sure when the duchess of cambridge is sitting there and someone says natasha archer she'll say which one <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, well, obviously, I, I think um, the real life Natasha Archer is a, is a lot more savvy with money than the, than the Natasha Archer that we all properly know. But um, yeah, it's interesting that thing about being um, too free with money and, and borrowing on borrowing on borrowing. I think that's when it's a problem. Oh, yeah. I think one credit card is enough. Do you know what I mean? I think... Balancing credit cards on each other is it's not a clever card game, is it really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, recommending it as an approach, but I just love to hear it because it's so different to what the residents of Ambridge are, are normally like. And, and I want Natasha to find a 10 bedroomed property um, with double staircase that she convinces Tom they have to move into because I just love something like that. She'd love that. You know, like escape to sh- the kind of chateau escape programs that you get where yeah. they kind of like, they do up every single corner for millions and millions and millions of pounds. <laughs> She'd totally be up for that, I think. Maybe. Uh, it would be, yeah. would be great. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. But now we go on to our emails. And the first one is from Purple Pumpkin. And they write, Dear Philippa, Mally and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is loyal listener Purple Pumpkin with a comment, question and some foodie information 
all within the 250 word limit. First, I loved hearing Cathy again. Her comment, you know how good I am at keeping stum, made me laugh out loud. As a reappearance line, it is up there with Hello Puscat in the pantheon of classics. I do hope she's back for good and not just for a retirement swan song like Mike Tucker's. Second, Philippa, do you know that Marks and Spencer make chocolate hot cross buns? They are much nicer than the usual nasty ones. Finally, Mally. As an experienced actress, do you find it challenging to play a character who seems to change personality or reveal new facets every few months? First, Natasha was a thrusting, glamorous businesswoman with a sideline as a beautician, then a credit card spendthrift, then revealing some backstory when she helped Kirsty try to find Jordan, Kenzie and Blake. Now, as a house guest and expectant mother, we're hearing more new sides to her. And all while married to the twonk Tom Archer. What do you make of her evolution? Keep up the good work on the podcast, PP. I, you know, because we get the scripts like one by one, you never know where the end goal is. So it's actually surprising to hear these kind of, like you're saying, you're hearing about this, then that, and then the other thing, those kind of facets of her character are being kind of peeled away as, as, as we get to know her a bit more. But I think it's fantastic. I think it's, you know, multi-layered. Um, I think sometimes as an actor, if you know where you're going, it's actually not that great. Because in real life, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing tomorrow. Mm. You know where you come from. You know who you are. You know who formed you, your parents, your relationship, your friendships, your adventures that you've already had. But you don't know where you're going. So I've got no problem with, um, you know, having these big reveals of, of things as, as time goes on. Because that's who we. that's how we kind of morph as people, isn't it? That's how we... We grow and, and um, become more rounded people is by opening up and revealing things about ourselves. So, yeah, it's um, she's definite fun to play. And um, like I said before, if I if I don't get episodes, I really miss playing her because she's ballsy and um, <laughs> she gets away with a lot. We've heard of some actors being taken into this infamous side room to be told about revelations for their character in, in the future. Have you have you been taken into this side room yet? I don't know where the side room is. <laughs> um, but um, we have emails. Um, so they, you know, they, they're brilliant, the writing team, because um, things aren't revealed to us until we're actually recording, you know, like the three weeks that's the kind of thing that with the time skill that we get. But um, yeah, I didn't know it was twins for a while. Mm. You know, you get the odd email kind of like, um, congratulations. You think, why? What's happening? <laughs> and then it's kind of like slightly coded. You'll see. You'll see when you get the script. So as soon as the script lands, we're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> get, you know, cut to the chase. What's going to happen? Um, and I love that feeling of like, because of COVID, I... I um, well, I, I work from my iPad, so my script is um, electronically now. But as before, um, it was paper, very good quality paper in Radio 4, very good. <laughs> and um, so they'd la usually they'd land, you know, they'd come through the letterbox and you'd hear them thud on the on the floor and you'd run really excitedly to see what's going to happen, what, what's going to happen. Uh, but now it's electronic, I still get that rush of kind of like, <gasps> put the password in, you know, make sure that like... <laughs> and then you get the reveal of like, what's going on? So, yeah, I haven't found the side room, but um, I love getting coded um, emails to say, you know, can't wait to see how you react to this one. And then you open it and you feel like, oh, this is brilliant because it feels clandestine because you can't speak to anybody about the scripts. 
yes you know know, and we don't yeah and like especially when we have family get-togethers and uh my father-in-law's <laughs> friends come up and they're like, hi, Natasha. Oh, Molly, hi, hi, hi. And you've known them for years. And they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they, you know, you want to talk to them about their families and they're like, tell me what's going on with Tom. Are you having girls or boys? Is it going to be problematic? Is a cesarean, elective cesarean? And it's like, calm down. You know, do you want a hot dog or burger or whatever? And so it's, um, I just love it. I love the energy of it and, um, and um, want to do it forever. <laughs> Well, we want you to do it forever as well. It's great. Well, our second email is from Marina about the Gleason twins. Hello, Philippa and all Dumpty Dum listeners. I had to write in about the Gleason twins. As an over 60 identical twin myself, I get really annoyed when I hear people referring to the twins or the Gleason twins. They are two completely different adult people, as are my twin sister and I. And surely it's possible for the locals to make a little bit of effort to identify who is who and call them by their actual names. No identical twins are 100% the same. For example, I have a mole on my nose and I'm slightly taller than my sister, although we sound exactly the same and have fooled boyfriends on the telephone in our (laughs) younger days. It's just laziness in my view. Love the podcast, Marina. Well, Yes, we've recently heard about these mysterious Gleason twins who are were good at dancing and now on the veteran cricket team. But of course, we're going to have more twins, aren't we? We're going to have. We definitely touches. are. Mm. I don't know girls or boys or names or anything. You know, I think first of all, I thought, oh, I hope they're really kind of difficult to pronounce names like Hraverch and Jorwerth or something. But, um, you know, with a name like Natasha, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it is going to be, maybe she's going to step back into the Welsh heritage and bring some fantastic names out. Um, But yeah, growing up, I was um, friends with uh, sisters that were identical twins and Emma and Sarah Cooper, they were called. And I was friends with Sarah, first of all, and then um, Sarah kind of got more into boys. And then I got friendly with Emma and then I stayed with Emma then for a long, long time. Uh, and it's interesting because, for, to me, they were very different to look at, even though they were identical, because their personalities were totally different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine if you if you are um, a twin, that it's very annoying to be referred to as other twins all the time because you are individuals that, you know, have your own thing going on. So I totally get that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, is Natasha going to dress them the same? Is she going to be one of those that kind of... Gucci outfits, Gucci rompers or something. Well, definitely something. I think she probably would get them to match, do you think? I I think so. <laughs> and, and maybe people do. Uh, I don't know. Unless they're so identical, you need to help people know who is who. But it's only as their personalities, as you say, their characters and personalities come out. That's when you really get to see what makes them an individual so yeah I think if I was a twin I would find it hard I mm. think I would make myself as different purposefully as different as possible to the other to the other twin it's a very interesting dynamic and I'm really intrigued by that um you know when twins kind of feel the same thing or like they could be like in different places of the world but they still have the same thought at the same time I find that extraordinary Quite worrying, I think, as well. For, I, I would find it, but um, yeah, it's it's amazing. But Marina, yes, we take your point. We we understand. Um, and our final email is, of course, from Anon of Ambridge with a question for Natasha. Now, Mally, I need to explain this to you. Anon of Ambridge, we don't know who they are, but they email in very regularly with 
strange questions. They, they appear to be someone in Ambridge. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Dear Auntie Natasha, I live in Ambridge and struggle to make friends and fit in. You seem to do much better than me. And I wonder if you could give me some tips on how to make friends. Thank you for your help. A non of Ambridge. P.S. Your fruit juice is lovely. I buy it regularly. <laughs> does it keep you regular? It probably does. <laughs> oh, let's not get a non of Ambridge started on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Natasha's um, advice to fit in would be, you know, be kind, treat others how you would like to be treated, have fun um, and always insist on getting your way. <laughs> I think that's how she rocks. <laughs> but Perfect. I think she's straight you know I just think you know be yourself and yeah. if people don't like you in the in Welsh you say oof did they know what you'd say in Welsh you know who cares you be yourself and as long as you're happy with yourself that's oof great oof did they know oof did they know you know let them let them let people not like you that's fine because not everybody's going to like everybody so if you're having difficulty fitting in continue to be yourself is what I'd say and then you would find the people that like you and think that you rock. That's what that's what Natasha Natasha's advice would be, I think. There you go, Anon. It doesn't get better than that. Well, those are the calls and the emails. Now on to Dumpty Book Dum. You're aware I host the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Well, I was interviewing Alexandra Potter, and of course we started talking about the archers. So Alexandra Potter, whose latest book is called One Good Thing, thank you for coming on. Dum-de-dum. Thank you for inviting me. Well, The Archers has a particular significance, emotional significance for you, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. My dad, who sadly passed away um, 11 years ago now, he was a huge fan of The Archers. He would listen to it every day in his garden, um, in his garden shed. And I used to hear the music and now when I hear the music, it really takes me back. And it also, it kind of makes me feel like my dad's still here. So it, it's got a really, it's just got such a, a really personal, a really personal attachment to me as the archers. Is that um, a happy sort of comforting feeling? Or is yes. It, yeah, it, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a very, very comforting feeling. I love when I hear the music, it just takes me straight back when I can hear the actors and the voices. I mean, I'm right back there with my dad in the garden shed in his garden for, I mean, pretty much, you know, my whole life. He used to listen to the archers. Wonderful. Well, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch for your lovely new book? Okay, so my new book is called One Good Thing. And the idea behind it was that when life falls apart, all you need is one good thing. Um, to make life worth living again. And the story revolves around several characters. There's a, a woman that's got divorced. There's a little boy that's um, lost his mum. There's an old man whose who's wife's in a care home. And all these characters come together in a village in the Yorkshire Dales. And I've actually, the old man, you see him listening to the archers. So I put that scene in. Um, and it's just about how everybody, <clears throat> we all need connection. We all need to have community. And um, 
you know, there's a few little twists and turns, but I, I kind of wanted to write how all the little stories in life are actually the big stories, which is the archers, isn't it, really? Yeah, and the fact that you actually mention the archers in the book, I mean, that's, uh, that's fantastic as well. Remind us of the publication date for that book. It's being published um, in the UK on the 28th of April by Pan Macmillan. Wonderful. Well, Alexandra Potter, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Molly, I'm interested. Can you, taking you back, can you remember the very first day in the studio? I can. I think I was petrified because it's such an institution and you think everybody's kind of, the read-through specifically. And I have, um, if there are a series of single beat words in a row, my eye can skip. Um, so I have to really prep my work. So I'm not very good at sight reading, for example. I have to really <clears throat> do my homework. So I had done my homework. So I just thought I'm going to be mega nervous. I'm probably going to stumble over some stuff. But actually, I just loved it. And um, they're just so people are so welcoming. Um, and there's enough time, you know, you don't feel when you do the read through, it's timed to see how long the episode is. So if it's a bit short, a bit long, and then we kind of cut as we go along. If you can, they're always constantly keeping an eye on how long or how short they are. Um, but yeah, I just felt exhilarated, I think, after the first day, um, because it was exactly how I wanted it to be. You know, it was warm, friendly people, great texts, just a, just a wonderful, a wonderful train to step aboard. That's how I felt and privileged. Do they ever ask you to speed up or slow down a scene <laughs> because they have to fit it in? It must be very hard to work with the set time. I mean, I naturally speak very quickly anyway. So sometimes, you know, I say, was that too fast? Because um, I, I've got quite a naturally high rhythm. But no, that rather than telling you to speed up or slow down, we'll just cut lines or add lines. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're adjusting your natural speed of talking. Um, but I, I actually I actually really like speaking quickly, so I have to watch with my accent and the speed that it's not too fast. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, now we go on to Facebook and we need to say an how-do to you to welcome Gillian, Ben, Lynn, Vicky and Stephen. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with our Katie. Hey up my ducks, it's Katie here, at Katie P Land on Twitter and Instagram. First of all, there was the Easter Bunny excitement. Yes, it was excitement. Sandra D. Jenkinson asked who saw that coming. And in her posts, lots of people have been adding Kathy's history, which is helpful for slightly newer listeners. When I say new, I mean within the last six or seven years. Bernadette Cagnoni, Sarah Bailey and Jed Robinson all welcomed Kathy back. And our Witherspoon asked who recognised the voice prior to the rabbit head coming off and got mixed responses. Some did, some didn't. Our second hot topic was the delightful Rory. Melly McMerryweather pointed out how you can go off some folk. Jan Mitchell wondered when, or if, it'll ever dawn on him what a hypocrite he is after all his comments. And all Mia Fox had to say was Alice with the love heart eyes emoji. The week ended with the news of Grey Gables. Pam Delay's post said, A deal shark can check out any time he likes, but he will never leave. 
Grey Gables is such a lovely place, such a lovely place, and had us all singing Hotel California. Everyone else had mixed feelings. Leah Toff thought Roy was being harsh. Jed Robinson and Jonah Titchmarsh, as well as others, thought Oliver made a bad move. Keith Rawlins had quite a few various posts about this topic and also wondered if the golf course would stay open. Jacqueline Bertho asked who everyone thought the new 60% owner of Grey Gables was. Philippa Jen Manasseh and Bailey Whelan, as well as many more people, think it could be Justin, so let's just wait and see. In other news, Ian Bullock had a thought and pointed out that Vince has had to nip off to the toilet in the middle of conversations more than once and wondered if he's detected a gentleman's waterworks problem plot developing and lots of people offered their thoughts too. Keith Rawlins shared a very accurate picture of Freddie asking for DJ equipment. Sue Howlett spotted Lee doing Tai Chi just round the corner from her and Tracy Brown spotted Rex's narrowboat in a bit of bother. Carolyn Wright wrote A Week in the Life of an Archer's Listener. It's fab. I especially like point number 35. Zoe Jane Batterscombe-Scott, spotted in the penultimate episode of Killing Eve, listening to the Archers, is described as one of life's great joys. Jan Mitchell shared news about Annabelle Dowler winning a BAFTA for It Takes Two and shared a lovely photo. Last of all, Andrew Stainthorpe shared the sad news that Esma Wilson, who played Debbie Glover and later Joan Hood, passed away. As usual, welcome to the newbies. Make yourselves known, settle in with a cuppa and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, ta-ra! Oh, thank you, Katie. And to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, um, Mally, just uh, sort of one final question, really, about this bathroom cabinet that caused a lot of issues. Uh, was that something that you had to envisage or did they actually provide it for you? I think, yeah, Natasha would have a pile of toiletries, a pile of <laughs> cosmetics, you know, half full. She's kind of bought something else, hasn't finished it off. She's probably got about 12 shampoos, you know, seven conditioners on the go. Um yeah, I, I think she would like more storage. I think Natasha would probably um, would would think that a, that a massive um, bathroom cabinet would be a great idea, just, but just for her. So I think she'd like one per family member. Um, but the fact that she, you know it caused her to fall is not good. That's bad. No, no, not 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 good at all. No. The girl needs a dressing room. I think she really she needs so. her own wing. That's what she needs. Yeah. Just for yeah. the toiletries. <laughs> Oh dear. Now our final uh, part is our tweet along. But with Quentin away, I have enlisted an elite member of the tweet alongers, Stephen Bowden, at Wenlock House on Twitter to help us out this week. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. This week's top tweets all feature either the return of a long silent character references to the sort of music Vince Casey likes, or both. So, in bronze medal position, we have G.F. Furness, at G.F. Furness, with Kathy Perks, silent for nine years and now she won't shut up. In silver, we have Ian, at Rutherian, with You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Not now, Ben. And in gold medal position, cue the fanfare, we have Ambridge Pony Club at Jen underscore J Stephen with It's me, it's Kathy, I've come home now. Oh, 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 oh. 
Will somebody get this zip? It's stuck. Congratulations to all three. Stephen, you star. Thank you for doing that. It made me laugh. And me. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, we're on Instagram at Dumpty Dum. And, well, we start to wind down. So we say a huge thank you to all this week's contributors, our social media team, Shambridge for her voices, and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Roy Phil Brown. Mally, thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. I've had a really good time. So I, I, I hope that I hope more people will like Natasha. I like her. I like it. They will. They will. You've you've shown everyone what a wonderful multidimensional person she is. And you've talked a lot more sense today than I have. So no, it's been brilliant. I appreciate your time. Thank you ever so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, folks, thank you for listening. It's a bye-bye from us. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.